Happy Land Grant Trophy Week on Dear Old State. I am Matt Brown, the Athletic College Football Editor, joined by Penn State writer Audrey Snyder. Audrey, we have the Rutgers game. We're going to talk about the Rutgers game, but I hope you are excited for the Land Grant Trophy, as I am, as everybody always should be. I mean, Matt, this is this is what dreams are made of right here. Um, <laughs> playing for the Land Grant Trophy early slash mid-December. Um my God, every I found myself because this is what one does Lane Grant Trophy Week. I found myself Googling images of the trophy uh, Sunday night. Of course. Um, and yeah, every time like you just notice something else bizarre about it. So, I mean, last we saw the trophy, it was fittingly in a downpour in East Lansing. It was so wet and rainy out. I was like, I am not going on the field the final like five minutes to get photos of this. But good thing I didn't because the trophy was right there outside the locker room in all its glory, just sitting there like between some equipment trucks. And I was like, yes, this is exactly where this thing belongs. Um, now, Matt, you might, you probably have a better read on this than I do, but with these trophy games, like what happens? Cause you can't, I mean, Penn state, like it's, it's in the locker room, you know, after a game, the trophy. Yeah, it's got to sanitize it. I think I was going to say like, what do you do to it? I've yeah, seen like, a few, I, I don't remember what game. There was a game recently with a trophy that they like, somebody was taking it back into the locker room and then the team that won actually like said, no, stop. And they like took it and paraded around the field. So they like Lysoled it down first. This game, this one though, cause since both teams seem to actively like try to deny its existence. Yeah. Like, who knows? I, you know what? I, I have a take though. I, okay. my, you know, talking about loving the Langer trophy was like ironic for at least like 10 years. Now I kind of do love it. <laughs> this is this is how a, a, a fake rivalry gets made. Something starts that's so preposterous, and then over time, everybody comes to just love how ridiculous it is, and then it becomes kind of entrenched, and you 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 enjoy it. So you know what? It's part of the identity of this series. So I love the Land Grant Trophy. I hope it stays forever because it's hilarious and better than some like. I don't know. There's been a couple of Big Ten rivalry trophies that are like really, really like cliche. This one's just ridiculous and over the top. So I like it. Well, and it takes so, so much space too. Like if you've ever uh, been up in Penn State's, uh, like the football <laughs> offices, the head coaching suites, they have a lot of the bowl game trophies up there. And sometimes if, you know, you're waiting for an interview with a sit down with somebody, you go and look at it um, and just kind of walk around. Nice piece of furniture. <laughs> but yeah, like the Land Grant trophy, you can't even like hide it or like try to put something on top. Like it's just pointless. You know what I mean? Like it's just there. And that's why I love it. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's why like I've already seen this week fans are are all about the Land Grant trophy and they want to see it. Um, so I hope it gets a lot of airtime, Matt. We do know it's a 3.30 kick on Saturday, which feels like a very perfect time uh, to show a bigger audience this wonderful trophy. Exactly. Well, sure first things first. Penn State's real rivalry, obviously, the Rutgers rivalry, you know, the, the Big Ten East Oof. rivals. It was, a, it was a Penn State Rutgers game. That's what we can say. And at this point, <laughs> Penn State wow. will take any win it can get. Of course, it was a you know very positive performance for a half, sloppy second half, but the defense played really well. And the third consecutive Penn State Rutgers game that is finished with a score that is basically 23 to 7. 20 to 7 in 2018, yeah. 27 to 6 in 2019. And 23 to 7 on Sunday. Rutgers has still beat Penn State only twice ever. And fun fact, Rutgers scored seven points, which increased its Big Ten scoring average against Penn State. 
It is tied for the second most points Rutgers has scored against Penn State since joining the Big Ten in 2014. So, uh, so you're saying uh, you're trying to discredit this Penn State defense, Matt? Is that what I'm? Is that what I'm getting at? No, of? I think they yeah. played very well and played only gave up a touchdown on a short field on a three-yard hail mary, which is very weird. <laughs> yeah, the first so, down heave. Where should we start? Uh, 23 to seven, Penn State is now two and five. Biggest takeaway from the game, Audrey. Um, well, I'll, I'll get to a football one, in, or more so of a Penn State-specific one in a second, but referee John O'Neill uh, had the game, <laughs> and I know Penn State fans, uh, it's one of those things when they see that name, they cringe, and understandably so. Oh, something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the missed pass interference penalty, the Devin Ford fumble, is it out of bounds, is it not call? Um it, classic like you talk about classic Penn State Rutgers um very much a classic John O'Neill game and James Franklin uh, to his credit never really publicly criticizes calls but after the Jahan Dotson shot play the non-pass interference call Franklin did say afterward in his press conference he said you know I don't know how there wasn't contact there <laughs> and it's like that's, that's a good as way close to phrase as- it yeah, that's as close as he's going to get to uh, criticizing. Good, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so Penn State gets the win, um, even with John O'Neill as the referee. So we have a two-quarterback system, uh, clearly, mm-hmm. even though one is barely a quarterback when he's not the starting quarterback, I guess you could say. Um, Sean yeah. Clifford goes 15 to 22, 133 yards, touchdown and interception. Very kind of similar to the Michigan game. They just put, kind of reins Clifford in, managed him, played a conservative game and then Will Levis comes in seemingly 400 times and runs a QB draw on every one of them. It was actually 17 runs for 65 yards. And by, by run number, I don't know, 12, everybody was saying, can they at least throw it once? Apparently not. Yeah. Um, I did ask Sean Clifford afterward, cause kind of what they've been doing is, is rotating like the quarterbacks, like Levis talked to us on Wednesday, midweek, uh, Clifford talked post game. So I think maybe that's what they'll keep doing. So we heard from Sean Clifford after the game. And, um, I asked him, Matt, I said, um, I- I'm curious cause we didn't see Will throw the ball. Have you seen him throw the ball out of this package in practice? Like, is that an option off of this package? Because it has to be an option, right? Uh, and he kind of laughed and he's like, yeah, no, no, no. He definitely can throw the ball out of the package. We've done it. Um, we just did not do it against Rutgers, which, and to me, Matt, that's where this thing gets so bizarre. I, I, I listen, I wasn't in past, I wasn't in Piscataway, but the weather there was an issue. It was windy, at least in the first half, from what I've been told from people who were there, the first half, this was necessary. Uh, second half though, I think maybe there's some, some fair criticism as to why you didn't at least allow let him attempt a pass. To me, it felt like, uh, and I'm sure probably everybody, most people watching, it felt like Levis kept setting you up for something, right? Like you were waiting right. for that big strike to come and then it just never happened. And, you know, there's calling a conservative game. There's going into a shell. Uh, and then there's what Penn State did, which was all of that plus, hey, just try to get the heck out of there with a win. Nothing's really gone your way this year. Um, but to me, that kind of sends a message, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, that sends a message that you don't have any faith in your quarterbacks to throw the ball. Um, not much for sure. That, that to me is like a long-term problem. And when you're two and five, I think you should be looking at long-term solutions rather than just kind of doing whatever you can to get a win and get out of there. Um, so, I mean, we can say like the Levis package, right. I guess like, does it work? Um, we've seen him pick up first downs yeah. with it. It was effective for sure. 
it's but, something we've asked some you know, yes. we've, we've, po- po- we've we've pointed out that you know they need to lessen the blows taken by sean mm-hmm. clifford so it has done that a little bit but it's just it just gets too predictable sometimes like when they came in after the interception and just like ran levis three times like All right, yeah like that was really bad. something <laughs> that was one of those sequences where i'm sitting there watching it um and in my notebook matt because i, I hand write my notes during the game and uh during that sequence, I just put a squiggle and I put bad exclamation mark next to it because it was just one of those things where you're like, oh, like they're not going to do it. And I asked James Franklin after the game, I said, um, I said, why is there seemingly a hesitancy to allow Will Levis to throw the ball out of this package? Uh, and his point is, well, it's primarily been a short down package, the weather, but we do want him to, to throw eventually off of this. But I don't know, Matt, I go back to the week prior in a, uh, in Ann Arbor, the third and 11, where Levis comes in, Clifford's hurt, and Levis takes off running. Um, we're just not seeing him throw the ball. And, and I guess this is maybe this is they've seen enough after, you know, he makes that spot, spot start. I don't know. To me, it's just this is your backup quarterback. Uh, and right now it looks like you've got two game managers on your hands, which is not what any of us expected to be talking about, at least at the beginning of the season. So there is that. And, you know, you mentioned Franklin saying it was primarily a short yardage package. Well, it was, but let's see, you you broke down in your oh, I went final back thoughts and looked, column yeah. after the game, and I count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven runs on first and ten. So seven of the 17 Will Levis runs on, on Saturday were out of first and ten. So mm-hmm. it's not just a short yardage package. It was, but it clearly wasn't in this game. So it's not like, like I get it, like – you know, they were dominating. We can talk about the offensive line, the running game. They were mostly yeah. dominating the line of scrimmage. It mostly, I don't want to, I mean, it was mostly, it, it had some effective plays. I don't want to say it was like a dominant package, but yeah, it, five you know, of his 17 most, runs went to led, to, led to a first down, five of 17. So three um, went for no gain or a loss of yards. So, I mean, it was just like throw it downfield once. Like, it doesn't have to be yeah. near anybody. It's just like, because, you know, <laughs> Keep them honest. we all know it's coming and, you know, there's going to be better defenses than Rutgers. So it's just like, I don't know, leaning on it a little too much. But it's Penn here State to stay, ran That's 57 times for 248 yards. Um, pretty good night or pretty good day. Again, they've actually, they have yet to have a game in which they've had like between 100 and 200 rushing yards. It's either been nothing or like 250. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Spoon um, bust, yeah. So 254 against Michigan, 248 against Rutgers. And uh, we saw Kevon Lee, 17 carries, 95 yards at the big 31-yarder. Devin Ford, 11 carries, 65 yards. I thought his long was only 14 yards, but it felt like as good as a game of we've seen yeah. from Devin Ford. Just running harder, running more decisive, um, mm-hmm. a little more patient. So that, overall, that one jump cut, Matt, did you like yeah. the jump cut where it looked like he made 15 moves to pick up a few yards? It was really nice. So that looked like, you know, kind of what they want the running game to be, where, where Lee and Ford are kind of complementing each other. We didn't see much of Keziah Holmes until, you know, three, carry, three carries on like one drive. That was it. But really, really nice game for Devin Ford and Kevon Lee, I thought. Yeah, now Devin Ford was asked afterward if he thought this was his best game of the season, and he said no, that he felt like he played better against Nebraska, uh, which is interesting, but... Uh, to get Ford back, I mean, it's well, he would know best, I guess. A, so yeah, yeah, I was like, <laughs> hey, man, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll refer to you. Um, <laughs> he, you know, a heck of a week for Devin Ford. He lost his brother. Uh, that's why he wasn't in Ann Arbor. Uh, he shared that after the game, and you know, he said that this was just about getting back out on the field and trying to move forward. And 
I mean, Matt, I just, I can't think of a room where you have had more just bad luck and unfortunate yeah. things happen this year than that running backs room between Journey Brown and uh, Noah Kane and now Devin Ford. I mean, Jaywan Sider is being asked to manage a lot and so much of it has nothing to do with, you know, really the games and practices themselves. And okay, you add two true freshmen into that who are thrust into bigger roles. I mean, it is his job this year is like, so much more than football. Um, but I do think he's the perfect guy to handle that. Um, once you kind of get to know Jay Wan a little bit, his personality players absolutely love him. Um, uh, but yeah, Devin Ford with a, a really nice game, uh, to kind of get Penn state moving in the right direction. But Matt, I mean, let's give some credit to this offensive line, something that we have absolutely. not said very often over the last seven years. Um, so let's, let's spotlight this line for a little bit. Yeah. I thought, you know, we've, I think ever since they kind of moved things around, we, we've seen improvement. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Rasheed, Rasheed Walker is having a really, really nice season, uh, really good in the run game. Um, you know, we saw Caden Wallace had a couple of really nice blocks. He's been huge for them, yeah. Been huge. Uh, you know, uh, Michael Mennett had a really good game as well. It was spotlighted a few times, you could tell, like just driving people off the ball. And you, know, you throw in juice Scruggs coming in and, and off the bench doing some nice things, clearly going to be a big part of the offensive line, you know, in, in years to come. And you even throw in the tight ends who, you know, again, I, I don't think this was really not, not that we didn't, not that we didn't think they were going to be good at blocking, but like, I didn't think they would be like this, you know, Theo Johnson kind of a raw freshman coming in in some respects as a tight end, you know, very willing blocker. And Brenton strange has done a fantastic job in the run game. So, uh, you know, it, it's, this is one of the few games we've seen like Penn state just came out and was more physical than the other team and was blowing them off the ball for a while. And I thought Devin Ford made a a really good point Um, in his, his interview after the game. He said that, you know, they felt that Penn state felt that as an offense, they found their mentality during this game. Um, And so of course I had the next question I followed up and I said, well, Devin, okay, what is that mentality that you speak of? And he's like, it's smash mouth football. It's, you know, take their will away, run the ball down their throat And that's what they did. I mean, primarily did. I mean, this is, and again, considering all of the issues with this offense this year, the fact that early on it was like, okay, they can't run the ball. They can't run the ball. Nothing else is working because they can't run the ball. Now, theoretically, this should open up a lot of other things uh, in the passing game. Now, okay, we can point a little bit to the weather as an issue why we didn't see that Saturday. We can also point to the play calling. But I'm curious to see in a game with, normal or good weather what does that mean now that assuming you can keep running the ball because now we've seen it two weeks in a row uh, what does that look like can we finally maybe see this offense with solid quarterback play and a run game um, maybe I don't know it's just the, you know the last two games obviously wins and, and they just felt so different because Penn State didn't fall behind either yeah. you know they had such bad starts really on both on both offense defense you know, the defense the defense overall, if you look at the numbers, has had more good than bad this year. It's just those awful starts have made the defense look really bad. Yeah. And the last couple of weeks, Penn State's come out, you know, led early and really been able to just, you know, kind of try to control the flow of the game and not do too much, not too much, do put too much on the quarterback's shoulders. Whereas uh, other games, they're they're behind by two touchdowns early and then it's like, oh, you got to go out and throw, you got to go out and throw, you got to go out and throw and you got to make plays. And then Sean Clifford's forcing things. And it's just everything like unraveled game after game after game. And the last two games have been, you know, similar in some respects, Michigan's 
uh, you know, more talented than Rutgers, but you know, it was just Penn State kind of got a lead, leaned on them, controlled the line of scrimmage, didn't try to do too much and didn't have to play from behind. So it just allowed the offense to be frustratingly conservative at times, but they were still able to do that to grind out a win. And at this point, like after going five, you'll take grinding out wins against anybody you can get, even if it's not the most exciting brand of football. And you obviously want to see more explosive plays, but you know, getting off to better starts on defense, you know, establishing a running game has allowed them to allow Sean Clifford to settle down at least and just slowly start to gain more confidence, which is really important. Even if, you know, we want to see more from him, but they just, it's like they have to rebuild his confidence in the ground up after that start. And this will at least go a ways toward doing that because they're not asking him to do too much. Yeah, they're right now they're asking him to come Be in the there and just, manage, <laughs> yeah, just manage the game. And that to me, I wanted to go back to the two uh, fourth down stops for the defense early on in the game. You see Fred Hansard and uh, P.J. Mustafer come in and blow up a play on fourth and one. That, to me, is a tone-setting play, and you look at how the Michigan game ended, of course, the previous week with that fourth down stop, and you say, okay, that's something you can build off of there. Um, yeah, but- uh, opponents are two of seven on fourth down the last two weeks, and one of those was just a bizarre, again, three-yard Hail Mary for Rutgers only point. So, yeah, and that was the only, yeah, the, these, only fourth these, down converted. These fourth and short situations, they're doing an unbelievable job of getting penetration and coming up with stops. Yeah, Brandon Smith uh, had another one in the second quarter early on, fourth and one at the Rutgers 45. Antonio Shelton really made that play, um, pushing his guy backwards and allowing Smith just to absolutely come in and finish uh, with the hurry. And I think, too, and I wrote about this on my Monday piece up on The Athletic, my 18 takeaways, because, yes, Matt, there's still things to find and nitpick even when they play Rutgers. Um, I, I think that you're seeing Brandon Smith turn a corner these last two games um, it to me it's just so noticeable that he's more comfortable he's more effective and that fourth down stop that's one of those big time splash plays that this defense so desperately needed this year and he's starting to become that guy and I think it was maybe easy for some fans to forget that this was his first year as a starter he still is only a sophomore and everybody says oh you know former five-star guy you expect the world right away Um, but I think you're starting to see that from Brandon. So I want to see kind of how he finishes up this year, because when you're making plays like that, that gives you some confidence heading into 2021 um, about what he can do and what he can bring to this defense. Absolutely. And yeah, I think he just looks more confident and, you know, we're seeing that athleticism kind of jump off the screen where we've seen, you know, we've seen flashes of that before, but it's happening more consistently and, you know, just really overall a, 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 you know, there was a few missed tackles, but you know that's that'll happen. And Penn State gave up what 205 total yards in the game. Rutgers had 43 yards at halftime. 43 yards and two first downs is like Penn State knew it had them. Like the only points again came on a, you know, we had another one of those turnovers, a short field, and uh, you know they had to go 36 yards. Came down to that, you know, just bizarre Noah Vigil touchdown pass that was, you know, again like a hail mary. So, you know. I think we saw great things from Shelton from PJ Mustafer was great. Um, you know, still waiting for that Jason OA sack, but still, you know, which is like pops, a off, still pops yeah. off the screen. Like yeah. you see that athleticism. You know, Traquan Brisker had a nice game. The you know, young corners had we had no uh no, no three catcher fields again, but you know, really nice game for for the cornerbacks. You know, records threw for 122 yards, 3.8 yards per attempt, Matt, ran Rutgers. for 83 yards. It was just you know, they could do nothing they did not have a play go for more than 20 yards. Like their, their longest play rather was 19 yards all day. Um, I mean, it was, it was that bad of an offense and 
you know, kind of sitting there looking at Twitter during the game, Penn State fans, understandably so, are up in arms with this offense. And I'm like, yeah, but it always can be worse. Like, look across the field, you know? Um, it was just, yes, we've seen Rutgers take strides this year, but this was certainly far from their best. Um, I wanted to go back to the the corners and the lack of Tariq Castro fields for four games. I don't know what's what's going on there, but he has warmed up, which is strange. He's warmed up in each of these past four games in pads. And then when it's time to go, he's not out there, but he's been on the sidelines, coaching up teammates between series, helping them throughout the week. Joey Porter is, has told us as much. So I just am not sure what's kind of what's what's going on there. But um, to me, this is, again, we saw Daquan Hardy with the sack. Uh, he was, I believe, if I recall correctly, also involved in that batted ball play um, at Michigan. So you're starting to see more from him. Now, yes, he was also caught behind Bo Milton on the, that touchdown heave with Luketa trailing late in front of him. It was just a bizarre play. <laughs> yeah, like not not the best play, but also a very bizarre play. Um, but you're seeing more from Hardy, who was definitely that forgotten guy in that yeah. crop of cornerback signees because you had the headliners in Keaton Ellis and Marquise Wilson and – then you see Joey Porter Jr. come on this year. Uh, so it's good that they're getting Hardy involved because I don't know, Matt, when, again, when a team's two and five, I tend to think long-term as I'm sure a lot of people are. And what are you seeing out of this defense that bodes well for 2021 and beyond? Yes. You want to, of course, win as many games as you can here the rest of the way. Uh, but what can you see and take away long-term? And to me, we knew these corners were going to be good. We're seeing it. Um, I guess a question I have moving forward then is going to be with these safeties because we're consistently seeing Brisker and Wade. Uh, I thought this was Brisker's best game. He had the pass breakup, almost had a pick. Uh, To me, the Brisker that they saw on Saturday was the one I think they were expecting to see all season. But you've got two senior safeties back there. Uh, Sutherland, you know, of course, gets his rotational work in there. But Long term, I think that's going to be one of those things moving forward to see what kind of happens at the safety position. Um, but yeah, I, young corners, you've got a lot of lot of depth there. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, it's hard to hard to nitpick with the defense of this game. You know, it's just a couple couple mistakes, but overall, Rutgers finished with twelve first downs, two hundred five yards, and uh, again, Penn State. A very very weird stat about this year: Penn State has outgained its opponent in five of seven games. <laughs> it's two Go and five figure. now one of those games is maryland which you know it was the game was over by halftime but it's, it's just been a weird year um you know espn's bill Connolly, who has his sp plus ratings Penn, it's like been a weekly joke for him <laughs> like penn state moved back into the top 25 this week uh just you know which is their predictive rankings you know and honestly you know that could be right going forward but it's just speaks to how weird this year has been where, yeah, they've played poorly. They've often looked like a two and five team. They've also had bad luck and it's just kind of added up to the zero and five start, which you need bad luck to happen for yeah. a team like Penn state to go zero and five. Obviously they played very poorly, didn't deserve to win most of those games, but it's just been a weird year. Now chances to finish positively. Um, it's not like they've looked like a top 10 team the last two weeks, but they've looked, they've done what they need to do to win. They've been, they've looked better competent. And, you know, played mostly mistake-free. And so they're two and five. They have uh, two games left, the Michigan State game, and then the mystery championship week 
maybe it's like Purdue or Illinois are my guesses, but who knows? Because who knows where it's played? Who knows when? Yeah. Yeah. We'll find out. I'm sure in the next week. Presumably two winnable games left for Penn State. And they are a like a 13 point favorite against Michigan State. And then again, probably a winnable game the last game, both losable with the way the season has gone. But we could be looking at four and five, maybe. And that might get Penn State into some bowl game, which is also hard to predict because the bowl system is so weird this year. But I tweeted when the Penn State won't own five that they locked up a losing season. I might have to apologize for that because it's, it's still possible that they don't finish with a losing record. It's possible. They just have to win three more in a row and get to a bowl game. But it's not not out of the question, which would be a very <laughs> interesting season. Yeah, the, the whole bowl scenario right now is really bizarre. Um, and I mean, to Penn State's credit, too, the fact that, you know, they've been able to play seven games this year, that is not easy. And I understand a lot of people don't seemingly want to care about that because you want to be entertained and you want to forget about the pandemic when they're on the field. Um but they've been able to play all seven games, and that's been James Franklin's chief concern. His top priority all season was getting this team healthy through a pandemic season, um, and so they've succeeded in that regard. They've been able to, you know, to play every week. But yeah, some of that could be out of their control when you look at some of these other programs. Um, I mean, what happens? We were talking before we started recording, right? Like, what happens if maybe Michigan can't play this week? Um, right. You know, I. Bill Landis and I on the big football show on Tuesdays, we've spent a lot of time talking about what happens in the big 10 title game. Um, You know, should Ohio state not be eligible if they can't get there is the conference then going to readjust and say, Hey, we're going to bend the rules that we created ourselves. Um, Exactly. They should bend the rules because Ohio state beat Indiana. It's not like they'd be like screwing over Indiana or something. Yeah. Like would your second place game, you know, really be kind of like your title game. I mean, it's just, there's so many scenarios at play. And so we look at Penn state and we say, okay, two and five, you can beat Michigan state. Then you've got hopefully a winnable crossover game. Okay. Then you're four and five. Then if you get to a bowl game, you can finish at 500, which would feel like a massive victory. All things considered, Uh, you could try to roll that win streak into next year. But Matt, you and I were doing some looking at bowl games and scenarios, um, because I know this has been a very popular question that's come up within the past two, three days as Penn State started winning games. And people have said, well, okay, are they going to go to a bowl game? Can they go to a bowl game? What bowl game will it be? Um, Caveat being the bowl system, like we said, it's a pandemic. Who the heck knows what's going to happen? Some bowl games have already been canceled. The Big Ten tie-ins still do exist. So it's not like you can just say, oh, well, we like Penn State. We know fans are going to watch them on TV. So they're, you know, they're going to get a game. Um, The other part of this too is going to be how do teams across the country approach these bowl games? Like this isn't going to be your usual one week at a bowl destination, fun events, fun dinners, volunteering. breakfasts. <laughs> oh, God, 15 breakfasts. Um, I mean, for the media standpoint, Matt, they spoiled us at that Cotton Bowl last year. A hospitality <laughs> suite with a wall full of snacks, massage chairs. It's not going to be any of that. Uh, it's going to be drastically different. And James Franklin was asked last week about the possibility of a bowl game and if Penn State would be interested he shot down that question at his Tuesday news conference with a, we're trying to go one and oh this week. But Matt, you and I can certainly discuss the bowl games um, because Penn State could be in line for some really fascinating 
games in sponsorship only, I think. The Mayo Bowl? Yes. <laughs> Is that what you mean? The Duke's Mayo, Duke's Bowl, Mayo Bowl in, in Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina, Wednesday, December 30th. Yeah. CBS's Jerry Palm had Penn State projected there, which I think was like the first bowl projection that I've seen that had Penn State in a bowl. And it's possible. So who knows? Whether it's Arizona or Charlotte or uh, Nashville or whatever, it would, I don't know, it would just be a strange ending to the season for Penn State to actually play a bowl game after starting 0 5. But it's, it is plausible. We can say that at least. And I think the, the other part of that too is you look at the timeline of this season and everybody says, okay, well, the bowl practices are so important. They're beneficial to 15 practices. Well, that's also going to be different this year in terms of you could look at Penn State playing a game on the 19th and then the Duke's Mayo Bowl is December 30th. Yeah. Right. So, like, you're not going to have that usual month lead up to a bowl. It's going to be more like a normal game week. Like, yeah. You know, it's it going to be like a normal road game. They probably go down like, maybe one more day in advance or something wherever they go. Uh, and then yeah, that's it. Like, I mean, yeah, practices and that's it. It's going to be drastically different. Um, obviously the, the fan situations are, are what make bowl games so attractive. That's why all these, you know, all these places do these bowl games. That's a whole other deal, a whole other fiasco. Uh, but yeah, right now I think you got to be looking at the guaranteed rate bowl, the Duke's Mayo bowl and the trans perfect music city bowl. So maybe Phoenix, maybe Charlotte, maybe Nashville. Um, but the guaranteed rate bowl in Phoenix is played uh, December 26th. So, I mean, again, you're not going to have <laughs> this this big lead up because we don't even know who the heck they're playing on the 19th yet. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, hey, if Penn State has the opportunity to play in a bowl game, all things considered, you got to take it because you got to keep building toward the future. They certainly could use the practices. They certainly could use the game experience. Um, you know, they always talk about sending the seniors out, out on a high note. Um, I mean, yes, the, the Duke's Mayo Bowl would not be how anyone projected this season to end, uh, but it maybe is an option. And I think too, Matt, that brings me to senior day this Saturday. Um Keep in mind, we don't know. We're recording Monday morning. Usually Penn State releases their weekly game notes by Monday evening. We'll see. Uh, Usually they say on there what seniors are going to be introduced. But there also is that new weird uh, pandemic-related clause, if you will. Um, If anybody wants to return, they can. So I'm going to keep an eye on that, see if there's anybody who's planning on coming back. who the heck knows? I feel like this is one of those years where maybe you see a guy introduced on senior day and they come back. Maybe they don't. Who, who knows? Um, but that'll be definitely something that I'll be keeping an eye on here leading into the Land Grant Trophy game. Well, that's we've talked a lot about bowl possibilities and all that. First things first. Yeah. Can Penn State go 1-0 and this week and get to 3-5? and As of now, the weird thing is 10 of the 14 teams in the Big Ten currently have two wins. Now that ranges from Wisconsin, which is two and two and still ranked, and Penn State and a couple others were two and five, and that includes Michigan's. Wait, is Michigan State two and four, or two and five? Either way, they have two, yeah. two, two and four, I believe. Um, they, yeah, their Maryland game got canceled. They, yeah, they beat Michigan, they beat Northwestern, uh, but they've also lost to Rutgers by eleven. They lost to Iowa by forty-two. They lost to Indiana by twenty-four, and they lost to Ohio State on Saturday by forty. It was not pretty in East Lansing, uh, Michigan State. Speaking of you know quarterback questions and two quarterbacks, Rocky Lombardi had a rough game and then got hurt. 
Peyton Thornton came in for Michigan State, went 16 to 25, 147 yards. We'll see who is starting for Michigan State against Penn State. Uh, we don't really know the status of Lombardi as of Monday morning, but kind of a mess for Michigan State right now under first-year coach Mel Tucker. Obviously, Mark D'Antonio had a lot of success against the Nittany Lions. Penn State has not beaten Michigan State twice in a row since 2008-2009. Michigan State has won five of the last seven, but Penn State won 28-7 last year. So what do we think? Is Penn State, which is a two-touchdown favorite against Michigan State, which is hard to believe in this season, uh, can they extend that win streak to 3-0 and go out on a high note at home? Matt, I am doing the the most Penn State, Michigan State thing right now, and I'm trying to find, figure out what, here we go, the 10-day forecast, what the weather's going to look like <laughs> on Saturday, because I feel like it just has to rain for this game. Uh, sure enough, Saturday, high of 49, 45% chance of showers. There we go. Um, oh, come on, uh, you know, December, December, mid-December, I wanted a snow game. Like, come yeah. On. <laughs> and this was, I mean, this was one of the big concerns when you looked at the big 10, the timeline for these games and weather and what was going to happen. Um, I mean, I feel like 49 and rain would be a good victory for Penn state in the weather department around here in December. But um, I do think that Penn state can keep running the ball. I think they're onto something with this offensive line. I think maybe it's just taken those first five games to kind of get their footing with Phil Troutwine and the new techniques that he's teaching and preaching. Um, I think it's just one of those was things that was going to take some time. And it really was, was hampered by the lack of an off season and a preseason. Um, I but this, want Michigan state gave up. 37 carries for 63 yards against Northwestern in that win. The next week, Ohio State ran 48 times for 322 yards. So, so yeah, do, do you can you fall somewhere in between, right? I feel like they're probably, like, I think it'll be in between those two because, and as we talked about earlier with this Penn State uh ground game, it's like boom or bust, and Michigan State's pretty much the same thing, uh, where either they're gonna, you know, they're, they're gonna get gashed or maybe they're not. So, I just think that. Penn State's going to have to keep relying on this ground game to try and rebuild Clifford. Um, what they've been asking him to do, we, they keep saying, James Franklin keeps saying, we got to be more explosive. We got to push the ball down the field. Um, they're not even attempting to do that. I mean, we saw the should have been pass interference call with Dotson. But other than that, they're really not, they haven't been trying to do it. And I went back and looked, the last time that Penn State's completed a pass of 30 plus yards, you'd have to go back to the Iowa game. Uh, when they had that 68 yarder to Jahan Dotson. So it's just, I would like to see them push the ball down the field. They would like to push the ball down the field. Um, I don't know if we're going to see that change against Michigan State, though. Um, I don't think so. Michigan think, State, you know, they can't run the ball. Mm-hmm. Their passing game is kind of a mess. We don't even know who the quarterback is going to be. Michigan State's been held to 81 yards or fewer rushing in four of six games, including 39 carries for 50 yards against Rutgers. And we saw what Penn State just did to Rutgers on the ground. It's Yikes. like, I, you know, the way Penn State's defense has improved, I, you know, I don't, I don't expect Michigan State's offense to be able to do much on Saturday, especially if the weather's sloppy. So I think, I think this game could definitely look very similar to the last two. Yeah, I, uh, I'm gonna go ahead with my pick, Matt, because I'm feeling confident now. Um, I went one and zero last week with my pick because that was That's really right, we bold. Both did. <laughs> yep, yep, went one and zero last week. Um, I'm going to go Penn State 30, Michigan State 17. Um, I, I think Penn State's going to, again, it's probably not going to be pretty. Um, I will be very surprised if we see Sean Clifford come out and throw the ball all over the place. One of the things that I liked um, that we saw them do very, very briefly 
was they got Brenton Strange involved underneath early in the game. And they did the same thing with Theo Johnson back in that Iowa game. He had those back-to-back catches. And then they got away from it. Um, if you're going to be this ground game, this not big strike offense, I'd like to see the tight ends get more involved, um, not just as blockers. Because again, this is all, for me, this is all about moving forward to 2021 while doing what you can here in 2020. Um, so that's what I'm kind of looking to see if they can get these tight ends a little more productive in the passing game, because we've seen that they can block and they can block well. Um, but again, I think this is going to be more of a Devin Ford, Kevon Lee show yet again, which is important. But to me, the bigger thing here is what can you do to show that 2021 um, you're set up as an offense. And that to me is where you got to make some strides, but yeah, 30 to 17 Penn state. And also, uh, Breaking very important news as, oh as we record this Monday morning. Joey Pooter Jr. has been named Big Ten Freshman of the Week. So speaking of the young corner. You got me concerned there, Matt. When you said breaking news, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, is somebody in the transfer Very portal? huge breaking news, a Freshman of the Week honor. But Well, bats back to back because Kevon Lee, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I think it'll be another good game for Penn State's young corners for the defensive front. And yeah, I, I think it'll be... Again, I think it's going to be pretty similar to the last couple games. Michigan State's offense does not inspire much confidence. Penn State at least has something going right now. And, you know, the defense has stepped up. Michigan State still, despite giving up a billion yards to Ohio State, you know, everybody does that. And their defense, their defense is ahead of their offense, at least. Uh, I will go Penn State 24, Michigan State 12. Will a safety be in that involved? Quite possibly, because, you know, it's December and it's Penn State, Michigan State. But 24-12 Penn State, I think we so yeah, we agree. Penn State will go get up to three and five. And yes, the Land Grant yeah. Trophy will stay in Happy Valley, most importantly. So no need to disinfect it. No need to break out the Clorox <laughs> wipes, the Lysol. It's staying right here. Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> we shall see on Saturday, 3.30, the probable home finale. Again, we're recording this Monday. We <laughs> don't actually know what's happening with those December 19th, maybe December 18th games. We don't know. Last scheduled home game, Penn State, Michigan State for the Land Grant Trophy. Uh, Two-game winning streak for Penn State. Decent chance to make it three. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll even be talking about a bowl game in a couple weeks, which God we not expect us. to be talking about now. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll do it on Dear Old State. Uh, we will be back next Monday to recap the Land Grant Trophy game. Make sure to read all of Audrey's content at The Athletic this week for all of our Penn State coverage. And uh, yeah, if you're enjoying the show and enjoying the back-to-back wins, please rate, review us on iTunes. We really appreciate your listenership sticking with us during this difficult year to watch in some respects, but uh, some positives coming down the stretch. So thanks for listening to Gerald State. We will be back next Monday.